it is very normal for folks to just think like, oh, like you're in the sprinter category or you're in this like short, you know, fast distance, whatever, or jumping. Um, and, and then that's the end of the road. Right. So, you know, my, even my family and friends, like finding out that I am, you know, running these longer distances. I remember like my parents even like, oh my gosh, like this is like so wild and we're so excited to see you. And my little cousins, you know, looking up to me and like, oh my God, Amira, this is so cool. Like that you're doing this. We're so proud of you. Like asking questions, becoming just more curious about it. Um, you know, and, and for me seeing that begin to happen, I was like, oh, there's something that's like here. You know what I mean? Um, there's there's this, this sense of representation that's definitely lacking. And now that I have this opportunity to like show up and, and be in this space, um, it's super, super important to, to stay there. That is Amira Omar. I am Leanne Sherrick. On behalf of my co-host, Chris Chavez, welcome to episode 42 of the Runners of NYC podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. for this episode comes from you, our listeners. We continue to push out these podcasts and tell these stories for you. If you're interested in donating any dollar amount so that we can continue our creative efforts, consider pledging on our Patreon page via patreon.com slash runners of NYC. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that helps artists and creators through monthly donations. Whether it's $1 or $5, we are greatly appreciative of your support. We've also got merchandise if you visit sidiousmag.com and hit the merch tab. We will include the links to all of the ways you can support us in the show notes. Our guest for this episode is Amira Omar. She is a self-development coach and meditation teacher, but also the mindset coach for Adidas Runners and one of the first members of Girls Run NYC. On this episode, Amira shares some advice for how we can all go about getting in the right headspace in such weird times, the importance of a routine, and taking inventory of your well-being in the moment. We dive into her upbringing, her introduction to sport, and how she went from a multi-sport athlete in college to frequently running marathons. Amira shares some insights into her involvement with the mission of Girls Run NYC as one of the city's groups using running as service and helping others. We also continue the discussion of race and running with Amira and how she's been grappling with the news of Ahmad Arbery's death. Amira was another guest that was frequently requested from our listeners, so we're happy to finally bring you her story. Without further ado, here is Amira Omar. All right, now we welcome on Amira to the podcast. Amira, thank you so much for, for doing this. Where are we reaching you from right now? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I am currently in Brooklyn, New York. Holding it down. Alive. What's it been like? Because we're both out of the city. I'm hoping to come back pretty soon. But the last couple of weeks, can you describe, I guess, like what it's been like being out there, getting out for runs? What has been your experience? Yeah, um, it's definitely interesting times. I think running has really been my saving grace throughout this you know, whole time. Um, just trying to stay connected to myself in that way, stay connected to the miles. Um, I have been trying to adhere to as regular of a program as possible. Um, so typically I'm running like maybe three to four times a week. 
um, getting out and a variation of miles. So during the week, it's, you know, anywhere from like a 5k to maybe a 10k and then on the weekends going a little bit longer on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I've been trying to mix it up. I live in Carroll Gardens, so close to Red Hook. Um, I've been able to bop over to the track um, for a few times, which has been really nice. Um, and then really just getting out on the roads. Like, it's so wild because we are urban runners and, and street runners. Um, and I think one of the interesting and fun things about New York City is that there's always so much stimulation that's happening, right? So it's like you're constantly dodging people, cars, traffic bikes, whatever it is. And now because we're under this stay at home order, um, just finding that the roadways are a lot more spacious and open, um, which has been really, really nice and offers, I think, just a different way to kind of see New York City. Um, because you're like stripped, stripped away all of the maybe nonsense that's happening um, around us. And then you're able to actually like, oh, I'm noticing like, graffiti and artwork and just little like nooks and crannies that I don't typically um, maybe pay attention to because I'm like worried about the bike that's coming at me or the car or you know whatever so um, it's nice in that way so it's been cool um, learning to run with a mask is definitely been interesting um, but working through it and yeah just trying to stay as connected um, to, to the miles as possible and getting outside, like, it's just helpful. Yeah. How important do you think it is to kind of, even though everything is so crazy, it's just keeping a routine or just adjusting it, whether it's just like your daily day to day, or just kind of how you start your day and being present in the moment, like how important has that been for you to adjust? Yeah, um, I think it's super important. I've, I've been talking a lot about routines and structures um, as of late, and just really kind of leaning into it in the way that like, right now, our routine is essentially the only thing that we have control over, right? Everything else is just kind of like up in the air. Um, so much uncertainty, don't know what's happening from day to day. And so I've been finding it helpful to really just lean into uh, and creating structure and routine in that way. So really trying to adhere to the normal, <laughs> the normal way, um, you know, or day to day things that I was doing prior to um, being um, at home all of the time. So, you know, waking up at certain hours, trying to go out for my runs, you know, at specific times um, that were maybe um, close to what I was doing before, um, you know, and, and not switching it up for my body too much in that way, uh, I think is just like, it's helpful. And it, it's also nice to have something to kind of, when the days are looking very much the same, right? We're in that we're in that state of like, is it Monday, Saturday, Wednesday? Like what's happening here? Um, so I think like giving yourself something to maybe look forward to um, and having like a set, a set schedule in that sense, like, okay, I know that it's Tuesday, so I'm gonna head out for a run, you know, for a tempo run. Cause that's typically when I do my tempo workouts um, or on Thursdays I do my track workouts or speed, so, or heel. So I know that I'm gonna, you know, have that to look forward to. So just trying to adhere to it in that way as much as possible. Yeah, it seems like everyone's kind of reacting in different ways and some people are, you know, having a really hard time with quarantine and isolation. So what do you think is important to 
for us to like upkeep our mental health and be positive and um, kind of, you know, how do we stay sane in this insane world that we're in right now? Yeah, so really, really great question. Um, we definitely all are experiencing this thing. And it's interesting because even though it's like it's a global um, experience, the way in which we are experience it, experiencing it is individual to each person, right? So, you know, what's uh, challenging to me is going to be different, you know, from what's challenging to you. And I really think that the biggest thing I'm learning um, with regards to this is compassion for self. So really being gentle and really being kind um, as much as you possibly can. Like, this is something that most of us have never experienced before. And hopefully it's something that we won't have to experience again. However, um, knowing that we haven't gone through it before, like it's okay to not uh, be a master at it. And I think that that's something that, you know, oftentimes we give ourselves a hard time when we are maybe showing up to something and we're not meeting our normal expectations, right? Of, of how we are, you know, doing something. Um, and so just knowing that like, it's okay to take it easy. It's okay to rest. You know, it's okay to um, just be like, we're all literally just trying to survive and stay healthy. Um, and so that doesn't mean that we need to be fighting to, you know, come up with new skills and like all of these new things, like that we should be learning. And it's not a competition to see like at the end of this, who, you know, who's done the most, um, you know, with their time or been the most productive. Like we literally need to be just focusing on ourselves. So really remaining, um, I think, you know, gentle and kind, um, extending that compassion, it begins within. Um, I'm a meditation teacher amongst a lot of other things, but one thing within, you know, meditation, it teaches us um, the opportunity to get to know ourselves better. Um, and then, yeah, just this, this level of extending compassion. When we can extend compassion toward ourselves, then it begins um, this, you know, to have this trickle down effect where we are starting to then lend compassion to every other person and every other aspect of our lives. So um, I think knowing that it's okay to not be okay is the first place to start. Um, and that we're all, you know, experiencing this and probably not doing well. <laughs> and, and again, it's okay. That's okay. So yeah. In sort of like your, your practice and your study of being just a meditation teacher, never in your wildest dreams could you have just seen this being applied and practiced in the way it is the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's so interesting. I mean, I think with, um, you know, with meditation, so it's giving us the opportunity to get to know ourselves better. Um, it also just is the idea of being in the present moment and being okay with whatever it is that's coming our way. So that's literally like what we're learning every time that we sit down to the cushion and every time that we, you know, choose to engage with a mindfulness activity or a mindset activity. Um, and so what we're doing is not necessarily shifting what's happening, right? So like the mind is constantly thinking, um, we're not really trying to stop ourselves from doing that. There's, it's impossible. Like you're gonna remain curious. You're gonna like wanna know what's going on. 
um, what we're doing with the practice is really just shifting our relationship that we have with those thoughts. So we have the ability then to take a step back and really choose how it is that we want to engage with whatever it is that's presented to us. Um, and so it's not about controlling this thing. Like it's coming no matter what, like we can't help that, right? We are now in this situation um, and there is nothing that we could, any of us could have done about it. Um, but what we can work on now is how we show up to it, how we respond um, to what is being presented. And then, you know, hopefully being able to move forward, like in a positive, in a positive way. Yeah, I think I really like what you say about, you know, acknowledging the present moment and accepting your feelings in that moment. And I think all of us can experience, you're like, we can say it and it's easy to say, and I know I'm pretty bad at it, but then, you know, you watch the news or you see on social media and the anxiety starts to creep in. How do you recenter yourself and kind of refocus when you see these things popping up on social media or on the news? Yeah, definitely. Because we're completely inundated, right? It's like now I'm finding myself glued to technology so much more than ever before. Um, and it's just like a stockpile of information. I don't know how to decipher like what's real, what's not, what's healthy, what's not. Um, and so one of the things that I personally choose to do, um, it's a personal practice that I've been developing over some time, um, but is really just tapping into this idea of gratitude um, and really leaning into the things that I am grateful for. So every morning when I wake up, I have a, a like, a, I've committed to myself to saying three things that I'm grateful for. Um, like the first thing that I do. And typically it's like, one of the things is always that I am awake, like that I was able to see another day, right? Um, and then it could be something as simple as like the sun shining. Sunshine for me is like huge um, and it, it's a game changer. So like, the sun shining and you know maybe I'm feeling um, at ease or relaxed within my body whatever um, so just choosing to choosing to point out three things um, that I am grateful for right at that moment um, and then allowing that to kind of set the foundation of how I'm gonna move into my day so when I start with this idea of gratitude and this foundation of gratitude then everything else that I'm doing thereafter kind of comes in the way of that same um that same feeling right so whatever it is that then is presented to me and maybe i might maybe i get anxious because i hear something um you know that may be unsettling or unpleasant um, i can then reflect on my points of gratitude what is it that i am grateful for you know in this moment um and how can i maybe shift my mindset a bit around around that to kind of swing to the positive as opposed to going down the rabbit hole of, um, you know, shoulda, coulda, wouldas or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. I feel like it's been like 10 minutes and there's so many notes I've probably been like <laughs> writing down and it's great. <laughs> right now in this moment, I feel like there's so many people getting into meditation and reading up on it mm -hmm. just because, you know, they get that sense of peace from it. Have you sensed that? And also, like, where is it that you tend to tell people to start? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that meditation is an extremely helpful tool, especially during these times, seeing a big boom within it. Um, so I teach for a studio here um, in the city called Mindful, and we have two brick and mortars, but now we're doing um, meditation, obviously, virtually online, where we offer classes um, and on IG Live. Um, also, you know, I am the mindset coach for Adidas Runners, um, NYC. So within that community, offering a lot of mindset practices and meditation. Um, I always tell people to start small. Um, and so there's three things about meditation um, when I talk about it is that it takes commitment. So you need to be committed to actually showing up to the practice. It takes consistency. Um, you know, you have to continue to do it whether you think that it's working or not <laughs> just continue to show up and then that it's cumulative so the impact and the results that you see by way of actually practicing um come over time so the more that you are showing up the more often you know frequent that you are practicing the more that you will see the impact down the road and it may not be it's this thing where and a lot of people oftentimes can get discouraged because there's no like tangible result. Like, you know, when you're working out or you go for a run, for example, you finish and then you have like that runner's high that you feel, right? Or that you know, or, and you can say like, oh, I clocked, you know, this pace or I ran five, th this many miles, whatever it is. Like it's physically like you can tell, right? You can track it. Um, with meditation, it's a little bit different that typically when you're finished, or you get up, you may feel a little bit more relaxed or slightly different, but you don't really notice the benefits um, until later on. And then you'll start to see things show up, um, you know, in other aspects of your life or with whatever it is that you're doing. So I always just tell people in terms of like getting started to start small. Um, and so maybe that means just like short segments or periods of time. Um, that you're actually sitting down and practicing and to just continue to show up whether or not you honestly think that it's working or not just keep at it um, because I always say it's not that it gets better or it's not I'm sorry it's not that it gets easier but it gets better over time so just keep showing up I think it's so important to realize that there's such a, a connection between mindfulness and running, you know? And so as the mindset coach for Adidas, Adidas Runners NYC, what has been the benefits that you've seen mindfulness in your running or even like the athletes that you've helped in this way? Yeah. So really, I think that, um, you know, through, through the practice of mindset, it's really just knowing that you have the potential to accomplish whatever it is that you set out to do. Um, you know, that essentially like no goal or, um, dream is too lofty. Um, and that, you know, we all have the inherent tools, um, and capability to, to achieve what it is that we want. If we, um, you know, can apply mindfulness in a intentional and systematic way. So we have, um, you know, these skills that we are constantly developing over time, concentration, clarity, and coolness. And we work with those um, in a very specific way to help athletes improve performance. 
um, which is really, really cool. And so, and, and I, the thing of it is, is that like, we all have, we all can do it. That's the thing. Like no one is lacking anything that they need. Right. Um, it's just about developing and like kind of pulling that out. So it's really so wonderful when you are able to see an athlete, for example, who walks in and maybe their first time, you know, like they're new to running and, you know, just a little bit afraid and intimidated and not sure exactly like where to start and you begin working and, and the, the, you know, the body is like, okay, you're showing up for these runs and you're doing it. But as you're watching and you're seeing like their mindset shift and change, um, and just like that, that maybe that self-belief that starts to increase, um, and then they're gaining, you know, more confidence and you're seeing like shifts in their motivation and all of these things start to unfold. Um, that's like the, oh my God, this is like so dope, you know, moment. Um, so yeah, it's really, really, it's cool. This is kind of like, because, and before we jump into kind of your own running career, and this is just me taking a little bit of a selfish moment, I wanted to ask you a question about just kind of, everyone's doing, you know, these virtual races, because it's all we have right Mm -hmm. now, and I noticed, this is like, workouts are going great, like I'm having a good time, still training, a lot of people are still training at, at a high level, we don't know what we're training for, because, you know, all these races are getting wiped out, but when it comes to these virtual races, I've noticed, you know, times are off. It's like, you, you, you might not be finding like a personal best. And even though everything's going great otherwise, I feel like there's a switch that gets flipped when you're in competition sort of, and like you're maybe in that competition environment with, you know, thousands of other people in a race. You might know someone that you really want to be, or it's just the, the environment shift. What is it about a kind of like that switch that gets flipped on like race day that some people might get frustrated with right now, myself included, it's like when you're not seeing the results you think that you should be hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very valid question. I think a lot of us are feeling this. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I think you kind of spoke to it and, and maybe hit the nail on the head with the idea of like having other people around you. There's something about like someone next to you running you know, that kind of like pushes you or, or pulls you to, you know, to, to maybe maximize your efforts, right. Or maximize like your potential. It's just kind of like an inherent, um, uh, competitive thing that we all like have as human beings. Um, you see someone else doing and you're like, Ooh, I want to catch up to them or I want to like, you know, surpass them or, or whatever it is. So they give you that little bit of, uh, that extra push or boost, which can, which obviously is difficult. We don't have that now. What I have been telling folks um, and speaking to a lot in terms of like this, these virtual races, um, and you know how people can really find success still within them without um, having you know all of the hoopla and you know we talk about like finish lines and the celebrations and all of those things. Um, and it, it, it's really, I think, about stripping it, everything down and getting back to basics and knowing that the, like, the journey of training is really where the joy is to be found. Like the, the race day and the finish line, those are all wonderful, wonderful things. But the meat of it is really in the journey and getting you there. So the training is what, like, what really I feel like um, we can maybe lean into a little bit more, especially during these times, to find success and like celebrations for ourselves um, when we don't have those 
you know, hoopla moments at the end um, that we can, you know, speak to or in, engage with other people in. So really just kind of like taking a beat and, and, and shifting the mind to be like, okay, it's the, the training is the journey. The training is the, the, are those moments where it's like, I'm, you know, maybe finding success in pushing myself and really, you know, moving into gears that I didn't think were possible. Um, and so really just celebrating our successes in that way. Yeah. And I like what you said before of, you know, maybe now we're just finding magic in the little things that we didn't see before on the runs, like yeah. the graffiti on the walls or the greenness yeah. of the, you know, grass patch or that you never <laughs> noticed before. So, I mean, I've noticed that a lot. And so I think that's something that is really important right now, but Speaking of journeys, we want to go back to the beginning of your journey. And Chris and I don't really know, and we couldn't find much about your early years or, you know, where you went to school. So why don't you start with where you're from and what it was like growing up there? Yeah, sure. So I am from California. I'm a Southern California girl, born and raised. Um, I love the sun. I love the beach. Um, I basically have been in, involved in sport like all of my life. Um, I have an older sister who, what, who basically is like, who set the tone for me. Um, she is one of those people that's like good at everything she does. <laughs> Literally every sport, she played every sport. Um, and she was a star in every single, every single thing, every single league, every single game, like you name it. She does. Right now, you could say, let's go do volleyball. She's winning. Let's go do <laughs> tennis. She's, she's winning. It's just like, who are you? <laughs> so um, growing up behind her, I was always like, I want to be just like my older sister. Um, and so I started to really kind of lean into sports as well. Um, unfortunately, not as like talented as, as she is in all things, but I landed on running and track and field. Um, and so I participated um, on the team all throughout high school. Um, it was a, it was a um, decision between track and field and the swim team. I really love to swim. And so I, I really wanted to be on the swim team as well, but I chose track and field. So um, track and field all throughout high school, um, moved on to college. I went to San Diego State. Um, I ran for the team there. We had an all women's team, um, which is really, really cool. Um, it's something special. And now fast forward to like working and building girls run NYC. I'm like, oh my God, this is very similar to, to my upbringing. Um, so yes, all women's team at San Diego state. Um, I trained uh, a bit of time for the heptathlon. So for folks who are not aware of the heptathlon, um, that is seven events. Um, that you cover over the course of two days. Um, and it ranges from running, sprinting. Um, so you have hurdles, 100 meter hurdles, 200 meters, and the 800. Um, and then there are an array of field events, high jump, long jump, javelin, and shot put. Um, and so, yes, I did that. Um, and then after, when I graduated from college, I decided that I wanted to move to New York City. Um, having visited here a couple of times and yeah I just like packed up and came like two weeks after after college um, moved loved everything about New York City and I was running but 
it wasn't like a huge part of like my everyday life. Um, I think after just like having gone through high school, having gone through, you know, college running and you're practicing all of the time, it's, you know, it's literally your entire life. I was just like, eh, okay, I'm going to like give this a rest. Um, definitely still like working out, but again, not like consuming every single second. Um, and then I would say it wasn't until maybe, maybe eight to eight years later, something like that, um, that I discovered the urban running community here in New York City. Um, and I randomly just like was at a store one day getting sneakers. I was getting new running shoes. Um, and for like, you know, the two or three miles that I was doing once or twice a week. And I saw that they had like a run club and I was like, oh, okay, this is like, it sounds cool. Maybe I should check it out. Maybe there's like some new people to meet here um, or whatever. And so I did, I showed up and like, I got the shoes. Then I went back <laughs> the next day or whatever it was. And I showed up for the run club. Um, and then there was just like this dynamic community of people who were there and who were sharing miles together and it was so wonderful i really just like fell in love with it from the moment that i like that i got there and i started um it really i think what's so beautiful about new york city is that everyone who is here has such a rich story and there's such a diverse um mix of people right everybody has like such rich background um and and so many things that they're doing and offering that it was just like really really cool at the time i was working in fashion i had a long-standing career um as a model agent for like 13 or 14 years and um i was in the middle of that and majority of my world just you know was within the fashion industry so i wasn't really meeting people outside of that and when I came to this like run, there were all these other, you know, people who worked in all of these other interesting fields. And, and it was, just, I was just like, oh, this is like really, really dope and cool. Um, and so, yeah, I just like fell into it in that way. I started slow and short because that's where I was, you know, I had, I hadn't really been like running or training for anything. Um, and it was just kind of like, you know, a fun, like fitness type of situation, which it still is. Um, but then it was like, okay, we're going, you know, for three miles today. And then the next time I showed up, it was like, there was a group doing four miles and then five miles. Um, you know, and you get into conversation with people and the next thing you know, it's like six miles and seven. And I'm like, what? I, I never, like never in my life would I thought that this is what I would be doing. Um, on the track and field team, like I always looked at cross country and then just other athletes um, who were endurance athletes as like wild because I wasn't running anything over like two miles in training, you know? Um, <laughs> so, and for me, that was like hard. Um, so I was like, these people are out here and they're running, you know, seven miles, eight miles. And then those who are doing half marathons and marathons, like there's absolutely no way. Um, and then the next thing I know, I find, I found myself, you know, 12 years later and I'm signing up for a half marathon. And I'm like, where did that come from? Who is this girl? <laughs> See, this is great to hear because this was like the summary of like that the, the first couple of chapters when we do our Instagram stalking all mm -hmm. people, sometimes that's what's missing. And 
for you, I keep throwing around this statistic, but it's because it did stand out so much um, in February when the New York Times revealed like there's kind of the demographics of like what the Olympic trials field was um, and how it was just, I think like 1% of African-American women were involved and what needs to happen so that, that number can go up. And I think from just sort of some observations that I've made, it's like the argument sometimes is that when people are involved in track and field at a young age, that demographic tends to just go into some of the shorter distances, the sprints and all that. And so for you to hear you come to this point in your journey where now it's like, we're about to get to the point where you're, you know, present at doing these half marathons and marathons. The question is for, for there to be more people like you, how did you get, how did it get to stick with you? It sounds like a lot of it is the people and the environment around you and kind of like, it's lucky that we're in New York city because it's an environment that fosters so much of the embracing mm -hmm. that diversity, but you know, it, it, it's hard. It's much harder to envision it happening in other more, you know, suburban areas. So what was it that got you hooked? And I guess like still connected to doing like these longer distances. Yeah, that's like such a great, 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 rich question. Um, I think for sure community. Community is like what what kept me there, right? So like I showed up, but then community is like what kept me in it. Um, and then as I continued to show up, I think that I saw um, that there was this lack of representation um, within this space, right? And, and even though it, this is just like, I'm doing it at a recreational level, like I started to see the reactions and responses to people who were finding out that this is something that I was actually doing. Um, because as you said, like it is very normal for folks to just think like, oh, like you're in the sprinter category or you're in this like short, you know, fast distance, whatever, or jumping. Um, and, and then that's the end of the road. Right. So, you know, my even my family and friends, like finding out that I am, you know, running these longer distances. I remember like my parents even like, oh, my gosh, like this is like so wild and we're so excited to see you. And my little cousins, you know, looking up to me and like, oh, my God, Amira, this is so cool, like that you're doing this. We're so proud of you, like asking questions, becoming just more curious about it, um, you know, and, and for me, seeing that begin to happen, I was like, oh, there's something that's like here, you know what I mean? Um, there's there's this, this sense of representation that's definitely lacking. And now that I have this opportunity to like show up and, and be in this space, um, it's super, super important to, to stay there um, and to continue, you know, moving forward and kind of, you know, telling this story that that it, this is available to any and everybody, like for, you know, people, who think maybe that this is like outside of what the norm is or you know what they they could even be doing because of whatever limitations you know um there's a lot of just self-limiting beliefs but then we also have socioeconomical limitations right that are set on um and parameters that are that are set on certain groups of people um so just really kind of speaking to this conversation and leaning in by just showing up I am a huge, huge, huge advocate of just showing up. Like that's something that's a tagline that I always say is just keep showing up. Um, and so for, for me personally, it, it became this super important um, thing to just keep showing up and to keep, you know, taking up space 
um, to a certain degree and, and having fun, you know, while, while I'm doing it. So, yeah. So much of it sounds so similar to, I guess, when we had Allison Desir way back uh, in the early stages of the podcast, it was just her seeing other people, you know, I think it was her, it was an African-American friend of hers who was running the marathon. And she was like, well, it's like, uh, aside from like the Kenyans at these races, like that's all I see sometimes. Yeah. What, when did you start to get comfortable with the point of, you know, stepping into some sort of that leadership position? Because, you know, Allison does a great job of it with her group, when does, you know, Girls Run NYC come into the picture? Yeah, so Girls Run NYC um, is an all-women's running collective here um, in New York, birthed um, from Jesse Zappo. Jesse Zappo, queen of urban running, one of the original um, women in Bridge Runners, um, who went on to, you know, co-found Black Roses, and then um, most recently Girls Run NYC. Um, she and I became fast friends. Um, fun fact about the two of us is that our birthdays are one day apart. That's so amazing. We, <laughs> uh, cool. we share a lot of the same energy. Um, and so when we met, it was just like this instant connection and, you know, instant, um, you know, just like way of thinking. Um, so she, when she had this idea of Girls Run NYC, then she invited myself and Rashida Herndon, who is the other co-captain, um, to, to help lead and uh, co-captain this group. And for me, I was, it was just like, you know, such a blessing, I think, um, and also an honor to kind of step into this space because now I have this platform um, to really kind of elevate what it is that, that we are doing. Um, and, and as you said, like, I mean, I'm a black woman. I am very noticeable in that, you know, and it's something that I've always been, you know, extremely proud of that I, you know, tend to lean into it and want to um, share and take up space, you know, for. And so I was like, oh, this is like a really cool opportunity, again, to just really have people see that you can be out here, you know, meeting other people, logging these miles. Um, showing up just as you are. It doesn't have to be this whole thing because that's the other thing. Like folks, you know, may think that, oh, there's these barriers or limitations. Like you have to be super competitive or you have to be, you know, running a certain pace um, or, you know, just doing certain things. And I think for Girls Run NYC, it's extremely important that we are kind of breaking these stereotypes down and showing folks that like you don't have to do do or be any of those things like you can show up it however it is that you are today and that is good enough it is fine you are perfect um and there's space for you and i think that that's just like the most important message um you know of what it is that we're doing that there is space for literally every single person um, and everyone is, is welcome um, to join the party <laughs> because that's ultimately what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. So you touched on it a little bit, but I just want to hear like what the mission of Girls Run NYC is what? Yeah. Mission of Girls Run NYC is to provide collective safe space for women to come out um, and be active. Um, we do it through the sport of running, um, but beyond that, I mean, it, it, it's really turned into 
um, this family and like sisterhood where we are connecting women um, from all walks of life um, and really supporting each other in, in all of the aspects of our journey. Um, so we use running as like the catalyst um, to like bring us together, but there's so much more that, that we find and learn about each other that like keeps us together. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, it was surprising for me when we started the club too, that, you know, you think it's going to be about running, but really it becomes about life and people yeah. and their individual stories. And it's kind of amazing. What do you remember about those first couple months once the club started of like, were you surprised by that as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Cause you're like, okay, this is like a running group, right? This is the definition, like the high level definition is that we are a running group. Um, but then once you, you know, get folks to start coming in and again, just this idea of everybody being so rich and diverse and having so many things to offer. Um, so, you know, you're coming in and then you're starting to hear all of these stories, you know, uncover and, um, you know, and they could be related to sport and, and not, or there is an intersection where, you know, there's a crossroads where, where it's both. Um, yeah. And it just is like this, this really interesting thing. And definitely, I think it was surprising, um, in the beginning because you're not sure like what to expect when you start something new. Um, but I think for us, for sure, it was just like a, like breath of fresh air and like, you know, just like this wonderful, like, Oh, okay. This is, it's developing into exactly what it needs to be. Um, and like, this is, you know, sometimes more than what we could have even asked for. Yeah. So I kind of like put a pin in it. You got to the point where you started running half marathons. Mm -hmm. For me, I guess in doing sort of like a little bit of the research, the first running photo I could find was just, you know, a pair of Nike shoes that you had like in February, 2013. Um, and it seemed like you had like a very similar intro initial introduction, which is just, you know, through some of these social runs. But then eventually, I start to scroll through your Instagram and we get to marathons and now it just seems like you've run so many marathons. Yeah. How did it get to that point? I, honestly, I ask myself this question all the time too. Um, so yeah, the half marathon was definitely like the first challenge um, that I, you know, set to tackle. And it honestly, like I said before, was by way of just chance almost. It's like, okay, I'm just running these miles. And so I might as well sign up for a race. Like I'm here. Um, and so I'll do it. And then once I finished my first half, um, or my first few halves, I think there was just this feeling of like, okay, there's, there's more beyond this, right? Like I, I, this is wonderful and I want to continue, but like what, let's scratch the surface a little bit more and like see what else is under there. Um, and I think that that's kind of the natural progression for a lot of us. Um, when you are moving into into this realm uh, of longer distances and so then it's like okay 13 miles well if I can go 13 miles and I can go 14 miles right and then if I can go 14 miles I know I'm pretty sure I can go 15 and so this mindset you know starts to settle in and you're just willing to then push yourself a little bit further a little bit further um, and just really uncover I think for me um, running has always been a way to stay like connected with myself. 
Um, and obviously like with my meditation practice, um, it, it was just like this combining force, um, that was really like, okay, there, I have a lot more in here that I like want to uncover. And then I'm very, very curious about, um, and I want to see like who, what, what it is. Um, and so I think it just, started to unfold in that way. And then before you know it, I am running my first marathon, um, towing the line to do something that I honestly had said years prior that I would never do. Um, and then here I was like with a huge smile on my face, um, with a supportive community and going for it. Um, and I finished successfully, like very successfully for first time, you know, and just kind of like, relatively new new to the distance running um and you know so many factors i mean at the age like i was over 30 and you know my for me it's like you know thinking of when you're in high school or in college you're kind of like okay this is like my prime physical fitness fitness right and then now i'm like oh, okay i'm towing the line for this marathon and i'm like you know 32 my body has completely changed um, you know, just because of age and also because of the life that I've lived, like I've done, you know, a lot of things that probably weren't in my best interest, um, as well. And so now I'm like pushing myself and yeah, then to be able to say like, oh, I like dug deep and I actually did that. And now, you know, knocking on the door of 40, I'm like, I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in. Like, this is, I, I can like totally beat my, like my college self for sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so it's just like, it's wild to think about those things in that way. Um, but yeah, marathons, they are a beautiful and very, very special, special thing. Um, really just something that teaches you a lot about yourself. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I love it. I love, I just love, 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 love to run. <laughs> How do you go about goal setting? You know, you kind of mentioned, you know, even though at this point, aside from outrunning father time, like you, where are your goals here? Because also just kind of checking boxes, you're just like, well, you know, I've done this major, that major. Is it just like, do I want to just do them all and then just continue exploring the world mm -hmm. through running? Like what, how do you go about setting your own goals right now? Yeah. Um, I think that with goal setting is, is super, super interesting. Um, I think the biggest thing for me with regards to running is to make sure that I am consistently finding the joy in it. Um, and that goes for anything that I'm doing in life. Um, but I find often that whatever I'm doing with running sets the tone for everything else that I'm doing. Um, and so it's really like staying connected to the joy um, of running and why I'm actually getting out there and, and lacing up every day. Um, I have moved, I mean, and going into the, or coming into like the distance running time and pace and those types of things were never really on my radar. Like it was never about like, Oh, I want to, you know, Boston qualify, or I want to run, you know, this mile pace or whatever it is. Um, and, not to say that there's anything you know wrong with that there that's wonderful for folks who are are driven in that way um for me it was just more about the challenge of like getting these miles under my belt and knowing that like that was my 
that was my goal. I was like, I want to just know that I can do 26 miles, like without stopping or, you know, and, and finish in like one piece, um, and not be completely wrecked. Like, obviously we know that running a marathon, your body is, it goes through a lot. Um, but you know, still like being able to function and then wanting to do it again. That was, that's, that was another thing. Like, I want to finish this and, and, and be able to say like, I want to do that again. Um, and like, not that this is like a one and done type of situation. So, um, for me, goals are really interesting because they are just like, I, I kind of set them to, to challenge me in, in those types of ways, like life ways, as opposed to maybe tangible, like time and things like that. Um, I also think that it's super, super, super important to break things down. So having like a, large overarching goal is wonderful but i think that it's great to then have subsets of goals within that um, and to celebrate yourself along the way so it's not just about getting to the finish line as i was saying earlier like it's about the journey in the beginning it was like every time that i was running the longest distance of my life i'm gonna celebrate that like I've never run 13 miles. I'm going to, I go out and run 13. I'm going to celebrate the 13, 14, 15, you know, as you're progressing in your training, um, you know, setting smaller, um, maybe it's within like my tempo or within, you know, my track workouts or whatever it is, um, setting, setting small goals there and really just celebrating myself along the way. I think that that's super helpful and super important to stay motivated um, and to really just continue moving forward in a positive way um, as much as possible. Um, so yeah, just the celebration of the small things. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's the morning of a big race. So the morning of a marathon everyone's nervous. Everyone's like ready to go, but what do I eat? What, what steps do you take that day to kind of put yourself in a focused mindset? Yeah. Morning of the race. Um, you know, wake up, definitely nerves are there. I think just going through my regular routine. So not breaking away from anything that I've been doing during my training. Right. Um, they always tell us nothing new on race day. Um, so, so adhering to those things, um, and I think that the, the biggest thing that helps to keep me motivated or to keep me focused rather, um, is visualization practices. So I will do, um, visualization practices of myself, like seeing myself running through the race, um, maybe crossing the finish line. Um, and also going back, I like to go back and remember some of the, so going back to this idea of goal setting and like celebrating smaller mile markers or milestones. Um, so going back and just remembering certain moments of my training that have been successful that have led me to this morning, right? And to this point. Um, for me, that's like super helpful and helps to kind of calm everything down because I know then I'm like, oh, if I was able to overcome all of these obstacles and challenges during training, then this race is no different and I can tackle those in the same way that I was able to tackle them before. If I've done it once before, I can do it again. Um, and so that's helpful for me to, to kind of reflect a little bit. So I'm really big on visualization um, practices day of. Yeah. 
When did the transition from fashion into being a full on meditation, mindset, mindfulness as a career path, passion, where did that transition happen? Yeah. So, um, wild and crazy. Um, but so I was in fashion, um, and I just got to a point after, you know, over a decade, um, where I was like, there has to be more. Like I love, love, loved what I was doing um, with, you know, management of talent and and everything. But I was like, there has to just be more to this than than what I am doing. Like what meets the eye right now. Um, and I think I just started to have like personal um, personal changes um, within myself. Like I was discovering myself in a different way. Running had become, had moved back to the forefront of like my life. Um, and so I, I was just looking at life in, in a different way. I think, um, more in the way of like, uh, I'll say healthier kind of like lifestyle. Um, and just, just noticing like, okay, there may be some changes that I can make here. And as I started to think about like what I could potentially like move into, um, or transition into, I was really leaning into this idea of mindset um, and coaching and, you know, really kind of thinking about it. I'm like, I've been coaching this whole time that I've been a, a manager. It's just been in different contexts, right? Um, so like, I have all of this talent that I've been managing and, and like helping to cultivate careers for it. And that's essentially like what coaching is doing. Um, it's just, it, it's just in a different, a different field. Um, and so I was just like, I think, yeah, this, like I, I've loved this and I've had enough though. And I want to like move into something else. And so I just decided to up and leave. Um, so I literally just like quit the agency that I was working with. Um, and like, I left the, the same day. I was like one day notice, <laughs> like I'm out. Um, and I just started like really thinking about what I wanted um, and, and how I could give back to, to people in a more meaningful way. Um, and for me, that was through coaching. So I found this program at NYU. Um, they have like a, um, like a life coaching uh, program. So I enrolled in that. It's a year long um, and just like self-development coaching became my thing. Um, I started working with some of my old talent, um, which was really interesting and fun um, to be able to connect with them in a different capacity. Um, and so, and that was just like the start of it. And then slowly started moving into, you know, working with people in sports and, um, you know, different kind of career changes and stuff like that. And then um, really leaning into my own meditation practice, I decided that that was something I wanted to add on to what I was offering as a coach. And so um, I underwent a meditation teacher training, um, got my certification there. And yeah, just have kind of like hit the ground running with it. Um, joined the Adidas Runners uh, team last year as the mindset coach. Um, so really just kind of like developing and evolving. So I would say for the past, you know, maybe five years now, I've been on this, this path um, of, yeah, of mindfulness. And I mean, I've been on the path of mindfulness for, you know, 20 years, but really like utilizing it as a tool to help other people. 
um, you know, for the past, for the past like five years or so, which has been really, really rewarding and wonderful. I want to touch on sort of like your, your company that you've got, I guess, like Ascend 360, like how did that come yep. to be? And also, I mean, just hearing that, that little bit of just betting on yourself and knowing that the time is right to do that, it takes so much, I guess, like courage to know the proper timing. What were the initial, you know, first couple of weeks after you did it like for you? Yeah, um, very scary. I mean, the, the fear is very, very real. Um, I think that no matter who you are and, and what you have, like it's, it's something that anybody who's doing, doing that will experience. Um, it was very, yeah, but I was like, you know what, this fear, I can let it consume and like take over or I can face it head to head, you know, and, and try to overcome. Um, I, it wasn't an option for me to continue in the way that I was working. Like it just was going against so much of who I knew I could be and who I wanted to be. Um, and ultimately who I was, because, you know, it's like we have, again, we have everything that we need already inside of us. It's just about uncovering that. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, it, it really was this, this um, kind of level setting or weighing of like, me staying here versus me like moving on and like betting on myself and taking this chance. And, you know, what do I have to lose? Um, so really I was doing like a force field analysis of, of that. Um, and yeah, I was like, I got to jump and I'm so grateful that I did like, <laughs> and there were of course times and moments within, you know, within that transition that I was like, Oh, should I go back? Or should I like, maybe I made the wrong, decision and I, you know, I should just revert, you know, and just take the easy road. Um, but you know, you have those hard conversations with yourself and I'm like, no, I can stick with this. I can, you know, get through it. And it's tough because, you know, when I, when I left, um, that industry, like I was at the top of my game. Um, I was like director of one of the top, you know, agencies in the world. Um, I had, you know, a huge following of talent, very successful talent. Um, I could have left that agency and gone to any other agency, um, you know, and, and still been working, you know, and, and moving on. But I was just like, I can't, I have to make a change here. Um, and so it was definitely very scary, but worth every single, you know, moment of me trying to you know, just like worrying, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, make, how am I going to make rent after this? Or where's my money going to come from? Or who's going to want to work with me? All of those, you know, those doubts that, that would arise. Um, but you will surprise yourself, um, you know, taking a risk. I was like, shit, there's a lot of people in my corner who support me and like, and want to actually like win with me. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really, really cool. I want to touch on another like super important component of, I guess, what I've been able to observe from you and running is just running as, you know, service and running as activism too, because um, I mean, especially with Girls Run NYC, like there's so many components to it. It was like the speed project trip that was, that was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. um, recently the fundraising through uh, the shirts for the frontline workers mm -hmm. and, you know, at the same time, like I went back and, and I was scrolling through your Instagram and I, I came across like one, one photo in particular was like an Eric Gardner photo from like 2014 
And especially given like the news of the last couple of weeks, one of the things that I noticed on there was just the hashtag that you used, which was hashtag history on repeat, which really sucks because it applies to this day. Mm-hmm. What has that been like for you to balance sort of running activism service and especially I guess like the last week and a half or so how heavy has it been yeah um it's been really really tough like um in my latest post about um Ahmad Arbery I you know wrote that there are no words to describe what it feels like to be black and that's just the God's honest truth um you know and that's in America and in in the world um, there are these pressures and these things, um, you know, that are happening and, and going on that are by reality, every single moment that I am awake, there is no escaping, um, you know, what, what is happening in the world, um, at every turn, uh, it's, it's present and alive. And that's really, really tough. Um, you know, and it's like trying to kind of find this, I was talking about it the other day and trying to kind of find this, this balance of that, you know, allowing that pain and that, that anger and that frustration, um, to, to live and, and breathe, but also, you know, being able to experience moments of joy and moments of it's crazy because my birthday was literally the day before Ahmad's birthday. So May 7th is my birthday and I'm celebrating my life. And then the next day is this person who also should be here celebrating their life's birthday, but they're not. And so, you know, I'm like, damn, how can I, like, what am I doing here? I can't, you know, feel good about my celebrations knowing that his life was taken from him and he's not having the opportunity and ability to celebrate his life. Um, and so that it's just, it's really, really, really hard. And I think that that's also one of the reasons why we just have to, like, I just have to keep showing up, um, you know, and I have to keep putting myself out there. I like to describe myself as a person of service before anything else. Like I believe that, we all have the fundamental right to live the best life that we can, um, you know, and I want to just help people be able to do that. Um, and it's specifically, I, you know, obviously want to be able to help black people, black and brown people be able to do that in a world that tells us that we are not worthy of it. Um, and so I keep showing up as a way to, you know, to combat that um, and for folks to hopefully see that, like, we have to, you know, press on and continue to take up space and continue to have these conversations and not, you know, not be afraid to not be afraid of the narrative and not be afraid to, um, to pull other people into it also is, you know, is a part of it. So. Um, yeah, I think that it's, it's just like, it's, it's super important and something that every single person needs to consistently, um, and consciously be aware and talking about and, 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 and acting toward doing something about, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I know the 2.23 miles was extremely emotional for everyone. What, describe it from your side, how did those miles go for you? Yeah, those miles were really hard. I cried the entire time. Um, again, because this is a thing, running is something that like everybody should have access to. Everybody should be able to, to do no matter what. You have two legs that have mobility. You should be able to go out and get on a run. Um, anywhere, anytime. Um, and the fact that someone saw this person as a threat for what, you know, it's just like, it's beyond. I, I cannot, I cannot. And to think about all of the things that running has given me throughout my life. Um, you know, when I run, oftentimes I think about it as a way of like freedom. It's, it's a moment of freedom for me. Um, and to, to think that this young man's life was taken just trying to eat it. I, I just, I can't, it's, it's so painful and it's so unfortunate and it's, it makes me so angry and it's so frustrating. Um, and it's just, I, it's unbelievable that this is the world that we live in. Like it's unfucking believable. You kind of did mention it and we've touched on it before. It's just like running clears people's minds, right? And this accessibility to this very easy, simple task is something that people use as a de-stressor in a way to get away. But I guess like at the same time, and this is something I've been reading about, just kind of like for someone who is, you know, black, totally uh, drowning that out just as they're running, like, and especially, I guess for you being a woman, how do you, we already talked about, you know, drowning out the bad news about the pandemic, but these things that could seep in before you do this, this simple activity, how do you do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough because there, like I said, there, there is no escaping. There's, for me, there's no escaping being black. There's no escaping, um, you know, the, the things that are, that are happening. Like, it's literally something that I unfortunately have to think about at every turn, every step, every decision that I make, um, you know, I, I am, I am thinking about it to, to a certain degree and to a certain level. Um, so there, there really isn't any escaping it. Um, you know, I do my best to, again, just lean into my gratitude practice. I, I think that that's really, you know, comes in, comes into a, a strong place of support or point of support. Um, to just be grateful that I have this opportunity. And, you know, honestly, I can't look too far ahead because I have this opportunity and I need to make it through that. Um, and then when I get to the next thing, then it's, it's like the same thing. Um, so yeah, just really being grateful. When something like Ahmaud Arbery happens, is there a discussion between or among girls on NYC or Adidas runners and, what is that conversation like or what do you try and add to that conversation yeah definitely um there definitely is you know conversation and i think that um you know it's it's something that we are learning as time goes on that it's an ongoing conversation um and so obviously you know there are these moments where uh 
you know, something happens and you're like, oh, okay, this is, there's like a specific thing that needs to be addressed. But I think bigger than that, like it, there, there has to be this ongoing conversation that just takes place constantly. Um, and so it's not, you know, it's not just like when there's a moment in time um, that, and that this is the only way that, you know, we're, we're going to ever really see or be able to make change um, is, is if it's a consistent a consistent effort, a consistent conversation, and everybody needs to be brought to the table. Um, that's another thing, like, it shouldn't be, these conversations, I need my white people, non-black and brown, to step up and and to dr be driving, you know what I mean? Like, to, to open the doors and to say, like, okay, what, let's take, let's take a look at this. What can I do? How can I, you know, really, really rally and really um, be a, be an effective ally, um, you know, in, in this and supporting because for, for me, it's like, I'm already feeling so many things. Like I, I can't have all of the weight be on me. Everybody else needs to start jumping in um, and, and taking the reins on things as well. I'm sort of like, also, I've been hung up on that, that what next, like sort of component to it. I mean, aside from us having like this conversation and like acknowledging that we could do so much better to, uh, you know, also continue to bring on diverse voices to, mm -hmm. um, to speak on issues like this. You kind of did say, you know, that's what it's, it's touching on, you know, different groups to, to get involved. But what do, where does that conversation begin? When, when it comes to when everyone can finally gather, not sort of like in a room, but to, 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 to discuss issues like this, where does it begin? Yeah, I mean, I think it begins, uh, good question. I think it begins, um, I mean, on the grant, like, so if we're talking about the running community specifically in New York City, um, there's, there are so many, you know, groups and, and subsectors of, of clubs or, or what have you. Um, but this is a this is a collective issue, right? This is this is all of our problem. Um, and so I think that it begins with a coming together of, of everyone, um, no matter you know what. So stripping away all of the other like crazy crap and bullshit that exists, you know, between between groups. Um, and folks just, you know, really rallying and coming together. Um, very similar to, so Power, um, who is one of the coaches and captains for Bridge Runners, um, both of you know, and, um, you know, is super involved in the community, um, an activist, and really someone who, who takes the lead and, and steps up. And in the past, he has done an amazing and beautiful job at rallying our community around these social issues. Um, I'm just thinking back up to like the Run for Justice that was held in 2018 out of overthrow, um, you know, where, where everybody joined collectively um, for, uh, you know, a group run and to bring visibility to, you know, to what was happening at that time. And um, so I, I think, you know, just more movements like that. And again, honestly, it's just more conversation, like just having these honest and hard ass conversations with each other. Um, and, you know, regardless of who you think is going to be hurt by it or who you think is, you know, going to be offended or, or whatever the case, like we need to 
talk and be having conversations with each other and really like mobilizing, um, you know, to, to do things um, and to, to come up with solutions um, in ways that we can, you know, hopefully begin to assert change um, in, in some way, shape or form. The pandemic throws a wrench in it a little bit. It does. Because we're not able to gather and all that. Yeah. It does, but you know there are there are ways um, you know virtually uh, mm-hmm. to do things and to come together. Um, you know it, it can happen. Folks just need to you know get creative and really start thinking. Um, and yeah, just putting putting um, some energy behind it um, and really just like not allowing it to to pass and be like, okay, there was yes the two point two, three was great, like for that day, but it's not just a day. Like I'm not black for just a day, right? Like this is something that has to be carried on throughout time. Um, and so, yeah, just really, really working to, to build in that way. Pandemic and tragedy aside, what is, what do you look forward to in the, in these such weird times? Like what, what is getting you through everything week by week? Oh yeah. So I think for me, just knowing that this is not going to last forever. Um, so this idea of impermanence, um, you know, through my practice, I, I know that nothing lasts forever. Everything will come to an end. Although I, we don't know when it, when it will end. Um, I do know that we will get to the other side at some point. It will look different, um, but we will get there. Um, and so really just like leaning into that and knowing that, that this is, this is temporary. This is all temporary. Um, and that there will be change. Um, and really just trying to like hang tight on, onto the, onto that notion and knowing. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that I got out of this conversation, it's just that, you know, to just what you said before of running and just keep showing up and show up for yourself, show up for your friends, show up for the community, show up for each other, you know, and I think that will take us a long way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Keep showing up. (laughs) So thank you. I think we're going to move into the final questions we ask every guest. Um, So we'll start with where is your favorite place to run in New York City? Oh my gosh, such a good question. Uh, Favorite place to run in New York City? Definitely Manhattan Bridge. I love the Manhattan Bridge um, for the view. It is just spectacular to be able to, coming from the Brooklyn side, to be able to look over and see like lower Manhattan, the Freedom Tower, um, all the buildings, the landscape is just like stunning. And then also to be able to see the Brooklyn Bridge because it is so beautiful in architecture. Um, so yeah, Manhattan Bridge um, for sure is one of my, and then once I'm over the Manhattan Bridge, I love to go around like the tip of Manhattan. Um, so that like South Ferry uh, to the West side. Yeah, it's just super, super beautiful. Pandemic aside, What's your ideal day look like in New York City from start to finish? Where are we going? Where are we eating? Like, what, what does that look like? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, this is such a tough question. Um, well, I would have to say that it's sometime during, like, late spring or summer. I definitely love 
the heat. I'm not a cold weather kind of gal. Um, so if I could wake up, go for a run, um, get a few miles in, I probably um, would then head into the city maybe to teach a little bit um, to meditation of meditation so to the meditation studio um, it's just a beautiful mindful it's just like a wonderful beautiful tranquil space to be in um, so yeah and then maybe um, hanging out in Soho a little bit um, I would say I love I just love like the energy down there. Um, maybe having lunch like outside on a, you know, at a cafe on the sidewalk or something like that. Um, perhaps doing a little bit more work because I'm never not working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> always, you know, I just, yeah, always going. Um, so maybe doing a little bit more work, um, meeting up with friends. I don't know if there's like, a rooftop or a park. I like to be outside. So if there's a rooftop or a park that I can be, um, you know, involved in, that is always a good thing. Um, also love a good museum. I know I'm kind of all over the place. I don't know how this takes <laughs> no, place in great. one day, but <laughs> this is, this is, you know, my life, um, or what I would like it to be. Um, yeah. And then I think just like coming back to Brooklyn, I love living in Brooklyn because I love being able to come back to Brooklyn um, and kind of just like let go of the energy of the city um, to like wind down a little bit. I live in a lovely neighborhood. that's um, just like super beautiful and quaint, um, really nice. I have really good pizza right down the block um, at Lucali. So maybe grabbing dinner there if I can get a table um it's pretty hard but if this is my ideal day um, make it happen. <laughs> then it's happening you're getting um, it yeah. yes so yeah having dinner there and then yeah that's it Coming that's back a great home. day <laughs> yeah what is your favorite movie based in New York City Oh my God, my favorite, well, that's easy. My favorite movie of all time and it's based in New York City is Coming to America. That, yep, last episode, Coffee mentioned that one and that one, is, that's a good one. That's yeah. it, favorite movie of all time, Coming to America. Um, Can't wait last, for the sequel. <laughs> last one we ask all our guests and it just has nothing to do, it doesn't have to do with running. Um, it's just what made you laugh this week? Because it's something that everyone wants, like can can use. Uh, it's just hearing a story. The last two guests have you know mentioned their kids. What about you? <laughs> I was just gonna say probably my goddaughter. Um, so <laughs> she introduced me to TikTok. Oh yeah, <laughs> you guys have probably seen it on my Instagram. Um, but yeah, so she introduced me to TikTok, and we've been kind of using it as a way to stay connected during this quarantine. Um, because I have not been able to physically see her. And so I think that that's probably like one of the things, um, doing a TikTok and laughing at myself um, and then like talking to her about it or like telling her, okay, you know, mimic it or whatever. I don't know. So yeah. That's <laughs> a good one. And my goddaughter. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just remember us when you're TikTok famous because you just never know <laughs> what blows up on that app. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's like so wild that I even, God, who knows? 
know Amira, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is a lot of fun, and I'm sure so many mm -hmm. people are just going to have pages and pages of notes they must have taken like from our conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much. I know. Thank you guys so much um, for having me. This has just been a wonderful experience. Always love to share time and space. So thank you. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Many thanks to Amira for chatting with us. A reminder, if you're feeling generous and want to keep the podcast episodes coming, we've got merchandise that you can purchase. Whether it's a t-shirt or a hoodie, you can show your love for the podcast by hitting the merch tab on SidiousMag.com and picking up some gear. The link is also included in the show notes. We also appreciate when you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or shout us out in your Instagram stories. This helps new people discover the show, plus it lets us know that you're still listening. That does it for this episode. I'm your co-host, Leanne, and on behalf of Chris Chavez, we'll see you again soon. Stay home and stay safe.